Recovering Entrepreneur Show. Hi, how are you? I am happy that we finally made this happen. I dropped the ball a couple times and I appreciate you being patient with me. I am excited that you're finally here though. And you look Thank gorgeous. You. Thank you. Thank you. So the point of this show for me, selfishly, is to tie a lot of aspects of recovery and entrepreneurship. I think there's a lot of correlation. On my solo shows, I kind of talk about my journey and the obstacles and the successes that I've gone through and experienced, especially this last year, year and a half. And when I do interviews, I really like for my guests to be able to brag. So don't be humble, okay? Okay. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, you introduce yourself and you could tell them we're twins if you want, because, you know, of our birthdays and all. But uh, get us started. Where are you from? What's life look like for you? All that good stuff. Sure. Well, my name is Denise Coley. I'm actually from upstate New York. And I was, you know, grew up in a small town called Marlboro, New York. And I honestly been, I grew up here, you know, my whole life, pretty much. I didn't move too far. Maybe eight miles to 15 miles away from where I grew up. But yeah, small country, country gal. Um, Grew up in, you know, a family with probably about six people, you know, between my parents and my sisters and brothers and my foster sisters and brothers. So that was something we did. Um, you know, my parents actually moved from the South. So they moved up here to try to give us a better life. And that's how they settled was in the country. So we had country living. Nice. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you're currently an entrepreneur? Yes, I've been probably a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of things between a lot of network marketing. I've also had my own insurance practices, um, did a lot of work working with attorneys, doing probate prevention. Um, you know, I have a list of array of things that I've done right now. I mean, I had my insurance license, life and health insurance license since 1991. Um, and in between having my license and even currently today, I always managed to keep a job with my insurance until 2003, I actually opened up my own insurance practice where I was working with attorneys and helping people bypass probate and you know, showing them ways of making sure that they kind of protect their estates from that. And with that, sometimes they would need some, you know, financial assistance. And, um, I was doing that for, from 2003 to about 2008. And even then, you know, still with the insurance and selling the insurance as well, I closed my practice down in 2008, got, you know, a process of divorce. So I needed a way to find medical insurance for my children. 
And the one thing that wasn't that I wasn't making money, it was a fact that I was the cook, the bottle washer and the server at my own company. So when I was out in the field, I wasn't marketing. When I was marketing, I wasn't out in the field. So it was that roller coaster of I can make, you know, a $30,000 paycheck. And then the next month, it would be absolutely nothing for the next three or four months as I'm out marketing. So, you know, I had the goods and the bads of everything, you know, as far as that's concerned. And, you know, then I took a job doing door-to-door sales um, to give benefits for my kids um, with the local cable company. And, you know, I did that until about 2015. And that's when the story really started. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's a good baseline, having some financial expertise and the sales. I mean, the whole gig is sales. That's what I continue to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting because I never thought of life that way or there's this whole sales lingo, prospecting and closing the right. deal and all those things. Right. I didn't even know they yes. existed until this yes. last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I never really think about that, but there, those are, I mean, but I always said, no matter what, that, you know, you could be selling a tube of toothpaste. It really doesn't matter, um, you know, because it's really about connecting with people. And I really feel that, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a human talking to another human, getting to know them on certain levels where they can feel, you know, open enough and, you know, feel like they're in a safe place to even talk to you about whatever conversations come up. So from that, I really give network marketing a plug here for that, because back when I was like 18, I was introduced to a company called New Skin. And back then is where I got my first intro into, you know, what it was to start to think more positively, even though I will tell you as a little child, I was a little different of a thinker. I was always very curious and I don't know about you being a Leo being born on the same day as me, my thought processes was, you know, was never, you know, you'd be like, well, why is she thinking about that? You know, so I was always very, very curious child and always, always thinking that there was a better way to do something or a better way to innovate. Or, you know, I'd be like, you know, really, I know the sky is blue. I know birds fly, but why, how, why, how? Why is the sky not purple? Why is it not orange? You know, these little things when I was a kid, I remember thinking these things and like, you know, why are there more than one race of people? I mean, I'm thinking about this at age seven. Wow. Like who thinks about things like that at age seven? So I've always been that way. But when I got introduced to new skin, it was about really, you know, they were introductions of Napoleon Hill, you know, the thing about, you know, you can be better than where you are and all of this. And I was like, yes, they're speaking my language and they don't even know me. I was like, (laughs) whoa, someplace I could thrive. I was like, this is great. So yeah. So I give a lot of plug to that, which is really talking about, it really was about connecting with people. So I've been doing that pretty much my whole life. And I really, you know, believe in that 100% that get to know people on, um, you know, not just on a surface level, get to know them deep and intimately and finding out what is it that they really love and what are they about? I just don't want to know Bobby as what's your name, where you're from. I want to know what Bobby's made of. What is she into? Like, what is the thing she like to do when she's like chilling out by herself, take off the hat and just kicking back? What is that Bobby like? Those are the things I like to do. Yeah, you're, you are very curious. And you just reminded me with this, this whole sales and, and relationship. So Grant Cardone is my new business boyfriend and I'm, he's probably mm-hmm. stuck with me for a while. Mm-hmm. But he says that the difference between contacts and contracts is the R, which is relationships. And I just really like that. It's easy to remember. Oh, that's it, awesome. I yeah. I remember that one too. 
But that is so true. Most people, they forget about the one thing that is so important, which is human interaction, you know, because there's something, even though we've had this with COVID where we're now looking at each other over a screen and whoever thought that we would be here. Mm-hmm. But in, in saying that, in the same token, and it's almost gonna be a little bit of a lie that I'm getting ready to tell you because I haven't figured out how to make it work. But I can literally look now on my camera and be able to look in your eye, but more importantly, you're probably looking into my eye because I can't see your eyes because you're off on another screen. <laughs> so that kind of negates what I'm getting ready to say. But what I'm, the moment I'm, what I'm trying to really say is that you still have that chance to contact eye to eye, soul to soul. Because I really feel that the eyes are the seat to the soul. And when you can really look behind someone's eyes, a truth in a story will be told. And this is the opportunity that we can still connect on some levels that doesn't leave us like we're totally isolated, you know, like, you know, being out on an island by ourselves. So I really like that, the contract and the R, because this is what it's all about. Even more now than ever, it's about the relationships that we build and the relationships that we create. Absolutely. And I love, like, I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for COVID and for us taking our journeys, right. And, Mm -hmm. and for us figuring it out through technology. And I am so grateful for that. I have, I have acquired so many relationships and it isn't about necessarily selling things to each other. It's just not that way. I mean, you and I are in a group, we're co-authoring a book, we're getting ready to submit in a couple months couple well practically weeks it's it's getting close it's getting Mm -hmm. close but our our core group of women you would think that we knew each other for a decade the way that we all interact oh absolutely because again I think that goes and it talks about where people's just bringing their authenticity to a room where we all could be ourselves and we all you know I think we all cheer in everyone's success. And, you know, I think more so that if I really was in a bind with that group of women that are in that group, and I was in California, if I was upstate New York, that I knew if I was out in Texas, if I, I could pick up the phone and call any one of you ladies, and I know that you'll be there as my sisterhood. And I think that's a difference when you start to build that you know, I don't think it's less that that surface love, like on the surface, I love you, but underneath is all fluff. No, I think there's a real bond there for us all. I, I 100% agree. And I'm so grateful to have you girls in my life. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you said, you said 2015 is real, the, where the real story started and you totally piqued my Leo curiosity. Ah. So do you mind revisiting that for us? Yeah, it's, I say that when the real life begins, but it really didn't. My life started a whole, a long time ago, of course, you know, the day I was born. But that's when a lot of, I can say my, hmm, when the oppositions affected me and I was aware that they were affecting me and I didn't know what to do about them. Um, Because, you know, I had a lot of trials and tribulations that I went through prior to 2015, Um, you know, being divorced and going through those things that happened in my life. But in 2015, um, you know, I was working door to door sales. And that's when I had a gun pulled out at me, pointed at my face while I was knocking door to door. And, you know, I had been doing this job for eight years already and never in a million years 
did I foresee that would ever happen or really even if it, it, it really shouldn't have happened. And it was a lot to do with racially bias. And you know, that's a, I know that's a big topic in today's you know, world, especially with everything that's been going on. But you know, it has been going on for quite some time. And I think it's just been brought to the light now, unfortunately, fortunately, because of a lot of the things that are going on. But that day when that happened, Bobby, I really lost a big part of myself because I lost a part of me because my identity was shattered because I was like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I can't change that I'm a woman. I can't change that I'm black. I'm just me. And every person's door that I ever knocked on for the past, during that time, during the eight years, I was always open to the opportunity because I never knew who was behind the door. And with that, I was able to build some of the best relationships, even though that was a really, really bad incident in time in my life. For the most part, I met some of the most beautiful people during my journey. And I've affected a lot of them during my journey that even today, well, my friend, she still works there. She'll say, everyone thinks I'm you, Denise. They, they think I'm you, you know? They'd be like, who is that? She was such a lovely person. She helped me with this, or she said this that made me feel good. And that's what I was always really about because it wasn't about the sale. It was about that connection and that interaction. And sometimes, Bobby, I'm sitting here thinking and talking to you. I seem to forget all of the traits and qualities that I actually possess that actually makes me be who I am today is because of my experiences and my ability to connect. And I always called myself, I kid you not, and some people look at it as a negative word, but I called myself a chameleon because I didn't care if the person was on the street homeless or if they were a multimillionaire living in a mansion, I would be able to relate to you at whatever level you are at. And it didn't matter to me because you were just human. You were just a person. You were just someone who puts their pants on just like me. You're someone who has to walk to the store, use a bathroom. Nothing changes. It's like, you're not, you're not, excuse me, you're not pooping out bricks, right? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're all the same when it comes to that. But we, yeah, economically, financially, yeah, we might be at different levels, but at the end of the day, we're all human. And so I learned a lot of that during my network marketing and my sales career that I give every person that I interact with the respect that they deserve and letting them know that they matter. It's beautiful. And you've done a, you've done a good job with that from everything I've known and, and I've known you not for quite as many years, but even that exercise where I've, I've never gone through anything like what I went through with you on the phone that day. And you were kind enough to extend your gift to all of us where you kind of helped us do some soul searching. It was like a complete interview. And you're right. It was, it was like, you could see my soul through the phone. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's something that most people can do. Yeah. You, you, you're being so kind, but I, I, for me, I don't know. Cause I'm about to cry saying this. It's like the tears because when I really say that I want to interact with someone and get to know them at such a core level, I mean that with true sincerity because behind the eyes of every person that I see is somebody who wants to win, somebody that just wants to be better than where they are 
because they know that they're worth more than where they are. And they feel that they have so much more to contribute than where they are. But for whatever reason, they're not getting in touch with that inner spirit that's telling them that they are that person that they're so thinking that they're not. And I just seen it so much. And that's why I came up with the name, the soul miners. And that was something because during my journey in 2015, when I had, I literally had to go on my own soul search because I'm sitting in the shower and I was just so stressed out, Bobby, not knowing who I was. I didn't have an identity. My relationship with my kids were messed up. My relationship with my um, significant other at that time was messed up. I just wasn't being a good human being because I wasn't being good to me. Mm. So you can't help those around you, especially when you're not even good to yourself. And, you know, at that point, you know, I really had this whole idea because even though I was in this rut of a place, I was living behind a mask because I still smiled. You never would know, but inside internally, I was dying. And I share this story, not because I feel that I was losing it, but in essence, maybe I was losing it, but I'd be driving across the bridge and just something would say, I wonder what it would feel like if I drove off the bridge. Would I know before I hit the water that my life was over? And it was at that point, I was like, something has got to give. And I had to come to grips that I was hiding because number one, agree with me or not agree with me, I'm just saying from my perspective, we in the African-American community don't really talk about depression or talk about you know our lives being affected because if God can't fix it, who's gonna fix it? Rest all your burdens and all your worries and trust in the Lord. Yeah, and I do all those things too, Bobby. But at that point, I was like, could that be a better outs than where I am? And I remember one day I was in the shower, the water's beating down and I had my hands around my knees. I was just rocking myself back and forth. And I was crying out and I just said, and I know this is not religious for you, Bobby, maybe, maybe not, but spiritual, I know you are. I was like, God, something has got to give. Something has got to give. And I screamed out in sure utter, like, I need your help, Lord. I need your help. And this little voice, Bobby, now you might say, I thought I was crazy. Said, get up and get up and go ride your bike. I'm like, looking around, I'm like, Get up now of all the things, <laughs> why would someone whisper, get up and go ride your bike? So was that something internally I felt? Did I really hear the voice? I'm telling you, I heard the voice because I hadn't been riding my bike for quite some time, maybe over a year and a half at that point. Bobby, I was obedient. I got up, I got on the bike. I said, I don't know what this is about, but this really absolutely makes no sense. I was feeling quite crazy at that time. But that was the best 12 miles about, is about 12 to 15 miles that I rode in my life. I cried, I laughed, I was singing. That was my freedom journey that day. And it started me on the point that I was like, I felt like I was free with the world, I was free with the wind and I was free to be me. And at that point, I was like, yes. And I was chanting 
on my bicycle ride and I'm saying now with the incantations to myself and the affirmations, I was chanting and it was the things that I was saying, Denise, you are this. And I, you know, I have shirts that I made back then too saying I will and I can. I will and I can. Yeah. And that was my mantra. And that pushed me through. But then more importantly, on my way back, I'm thinking, wow, what a breakthrough. The voice came again. And it said, you have to do it for 90 days. You have to ride your bike for 90 days. Rain, sleep, or snow doesn't matter. Hmm. You have to do it for 90 days. Bobby, I'm proud to announce. <laughs> I did it for 90 days. That was the most life-changing 90 days I had ever had in my life because it challenged me beyond beliefs of I can do what my mind said that I can do, that I was in control of myself and it was up to me to create and create a new narrative to my story and that I was the director, creator of my own movie and I lost about 20 pounds at that time doing the bike ride, but I just became so, I was like Wonder Woman internally. And that was when the journey of the self-transformation for me began. So if, can I go backwards and, and kind sure. of, you're being very, very, very vulnerable and transparent right now. And I super appreciate that. Am I understanding that this, this moment in time in the shower, it was because of the the gun incident. That is correct. And that turned your world upside down. Was it, I think what I was hearing, and I, I really would hope you correct me if I didn't get this right, but the confusion of it all and then starting to second guess yourself and that's how Absolutely. you got lost in it all. Absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, we all are governed by the identity that we create for ourselves. Good, bad, or indifferent, it doesn't matter. But however you see yourself at that point is what you give precedence to. And that's what I did. So I was a person who was in sales. I was making, I'm not sure that year if I was um, under six figures, but usually I was like close to six figures or above. So I did very good in the sales position. So at that point I wasn't making money. So that also lessened my ability for myself because I was like, ah, here I am. I was on disability at that time. That was one third of my salary. I wasn't able to work. I wasn't doing the things that I knew that I was good at. So outside of that, I really had to start questioning me also, well, what am I good at? So when that incident happened, it's almost like it stripped me of my identity because I was so resting in that, that that defined me. So when I lost all of that, and then, you know, I ended up getting very, very ill. Um, you know, there's a lot more to the story than just a gun incident because that night, it was a, oh, a freaking weird night. It really was. It was a full moon. You would think if you're into all that, I really wasn't until, you know, after I talk about the story, because before that, I actually fell, hit my head on ice walking around um, in the same neighborhood. 
and my supervisor was with me and it was he the cars was running it was so icy out the car was running when I slipped I actually slipped my leg slid underneath his vehicle and it was on a hill and he was a little frail man so he couldn't really pick me up so at that point you know I'm getting in the car and I'm like oh my god he's like are you okay I said yeah you know what I'll be okay let's just go to the next door and, you know, the next door we went to, the man said, the moons and the stars are lining up. I said, oh, this is a really weird, weird night. Then we got to the next door and my supervisor did not come to the door with me that I was knocking. He was in the car talking to another colleague of mine who was just bit by a dog. So it was like the weirdest night ever, you know? And then that's when the gun incident happened. So for months, Bobby, I did not address my mental issue because I was so concentrated on the physical and I didn't want to admit that the mental was that had even happened. And I was having nightmares about guns being pulled or being somewhere being shot. You know, those things were coming to my mind. Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? My kids, like that day at the door, I just thought like my life could end right here today. But you know the bad thing that happened and the good thing that happened? I didn't die physically, but I did die inside. So I had to learn to live and revive that person all over again. You know, and sometimes it's hard for people if they haven't suffered from PTSD, because actually that's what I actually have or had, and it goes through those moments and Everything that looks real sometimes is not real. I became a person who was very, I would say paranoid. I remember being at Walmart and someone knocked on the window to ask me for a cigarette. And at that point I'm jump, I jump, I'm startled. And I wasn't that same person who didn't fear anything. I became this person who now became fearful of everything. Ugh. I, I'm, I'm trying to digest and what just popped into my head, and this is a little random, but as a truck driver in my early twenties, this is what I'm relating this story to. I could run around the whole country all by myself, little 20 something year olds, you know, back then I, I definitely um, did not have my old lady pounds on. I was a unique breed 20 years ago, right? Being, <laughs> being this young, naive blonde hair, blue eyed truck driver. Mm -hmm. And I was fearless. But if I had to go do that today and park in a truck stop at night in the dark or, you know, just fend for myself in that way, I don't know that I could do it anymore. I've been scared the last 10 years and I didn't have anything mm -hmm. as significant. Like I don't even have a, a quantifiable reason for that other than maybe old age and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit, I shouldn't have done a lot of those things, the situation right. I put myself in. But I think the world is just changing so much. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I hate that. I hate hearing that it was racially motivated. That mm -hmm. bothers me. Um, I had a little experience like that when I was in Birmingham, uh, walking to the truck stop with a broken down truck. I had to go get money and stuff. And I had rocks thrown at me because mm -hmm. I wasn't in the right neighborhood. And um, it, 
again, very minor, but I'm trying to digest what you're saying and relate to those feelings. And I, I just can't even, mine feels so inconsequential to what you're saying. And I, I just can't even imagine. But, you know, even that it might not be to the same, but it's not inconsequential because, and I was taught, I had a, a conversation with a friend earlier today is there a time limit on suffering? Mm. I think my opinion today, and I don't know how you feel about this. I don't feel like it expires, but I do mm -hmm. think that there's an opportunity in life to turn it into gratitude. Yes. That that's a great way to look at it. I do. I believe I agree with that. There is. But what I mean, what I meant by asking that, because sometimes we get into that realm of comparing. I went through something, but I didn't go through something as severe as that. Mm. But a suffering is still a suffering. I don't care if it's for a second, a minute, a day, a month, a year. Yeah. Everyone goes through those cycles depending on their timeline, but it's still a suffering. So I always try to tell people that they, those little things we think aren't triggers sometimes are what become the triggers because it did alter some part of you that developed into a fear that wasn't there before where you looked at it different, where you had to stop and pause and look at it differently. Right. So if you're stopping to pause and obviously it caught your attention that it was something that was in your head at some point that didn't seem right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Would you say that the 90 day, well, I guess the way I want to ask this question, because I want you, I want you to give some wisdom and insight and suggestion so that if there's someone out there that hears this and that's, that's struggling in that kind mm -hmm. of way, no matter who they are and what the reason, to your point, right? Mm -hmm. Suffering isn't necessarily a comparison thing. It's everybody's stuff. But what would you recommend to them to move past it? Is it, is it the prayer? Is it the bike ride? Is it, what does that look like? And then I really would love for mm -hmm. you to share about what's happened since the bike ride? What does life look like today? And what does the rest of the journey look like? Got it. Yeah, no worries. So really when first there's that awakening, um, I think sometimes we all get those voices in our head and we discount them and we shut them down. We shut those voices down saying, or we, we're not obedient to the feelings and the intuitions that we give, that we ourselves are given. And we look at them as though, uh, I don't think that was meant for me. That was meant for someone else. <laughs> and we don't listen to our own intuition. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know, you, I say, you, you don't have to agree with me, but I'm pretty sure nine times out of 10, the intuition never steers you wrong because it gives you the insight to look into your own life and it will forewarn you sometimes of things that are coming that you might be overlooking. 
So my first thing would be is to be aware and to actually lean into your, not your own understanding, but what is being presented to you, just lean into it, trust it. And I don't think that we trust ourselves enough to know that our intuition is not going to steer us wrong. You're a hundred percent right. I can't, I can't validate it scientifically, although I've mm-hmm. read the books, you know, mm-hmm. like Joe Dispenza talking about the energy and, and the intuition to my understanding, if somebody wanted more of like a science approach other than the gut approach has something to do with energy and like our subconscious picking up on those cues that our conscious mm-hmm. might not. That's my understanding mm-hmm. of it. Right. And I'm not even talking scientifically. I'm just talking about my own personal experience Yeah. of what I felt when I got that little voice in my head. Cause I'm pretty sure, I, and I'm not gonna say you're, I'm saying for me, there's been times when I've been driving my vehicle and if something would tell me, mm, don't turn that way today, go this way. I'll go this way. I don't know what I might have encountered going the other way because I didn't go that way. I don't know the answer to that, but I followed the intuition. Yeah. I'm starting to learn how a little better. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know that I've ever identified it as such or on such a, mm. a level. But however, oh. I was clouded by gambling and alcohol for a lot of years, right? Mm-hmm. So so now I'm paying attention to every thought mm-hmm. or uh, mindfully mm-hmm. trying to pay attention. So it's, it's a different journey today than it's ever been. And it's really interesting to listen to those voices. Yes. Um, or to, you know, pick up on things. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm almost saying, Bobby, because I know being in the group that we're in together, that um, I would say you did have the intuition. So why would anyone drive across country if they didn't have that voice that said, you know, get up, pick up, this is what you need right now? Are you talking about last, last fall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's evolving. And some of it has to do with me testing my spirituality and my faith on some level, because it's all new to me. And if I'm going to believe in self-care and advocate for it in the addiction community and to my women friends and to anybody who will listen to me about true happiness, then I need to live by example. And I knew that there was no good going to come out of me going from my corporate job right into all this chaos after doing double duty all this time, after dealing with all the loss and grief and all the, just all of 2020, right? So I knew I needed to do that. You're absolutely right. And, and I didn't question it. It was, it fell out of my mouth and then it happened. Mm-hmm. And something um, led you to that decision. If it's, I don't whatever you want to call it, something directed you to make that decision. Cause that's, that's a big decision. Yeah. You know, especially during these times where people are not traveling much, but you know, you made that decision and you still did it not knowing you really had no clue. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know that I've told you this, but I came home and I actually have another book started with a recap of all my lessons from that six weeks. And I learned a lot of stuff like about myself, about other people, about the emotions and the fear connected to COVID, um, how different people were reacting. And something that you do very well 
and, and you kind of express this, and this is probably why you were an excellent salesperson, is you do have that compassion and respect for other people. And that's what I learned a lot about last year was people are not all going to feel the same about COVID. There's going to be such broad ends of the spectrum. They're not going to all feel the same about the, the riots and the politics and the, like, there's so much stuff, right? So embracing other people was a big learning and I'm so grateful for it. Not that I, not that I maybe didn't before, Mm -hmm. but I didn't work at it. I didn't necessarily think about it. I like, I'm in my little bubble, my happy place and blah, blah, blah. But I really had to pay attention to what people were saying this last year. And that's been very interesting. Mm-hmm. And th- that's such a great point that you're making. And if it, this may or may not relate, but I think it does. And I'll, I'll give you my example. I remember a few years back, my, my, my beau took me to a comedy show and the comedy show was awesome. He was telling all these jokes and I was laughing hysterically, laughing hysterically the entire night. Then all of a sudden he talked about one thing that pinched a nerve with me. Can't really remember what it is at this moment, but I remember the feeling. All of a sudden I changed my tone and my mood. Like that SOB. How dare he talk about this? Right. But I had to check myself. I said, Denise, if he's making jokes about short people, fat people, skinny people, ugly people, pretty people, married people, single people, unhealthy people, handicapped people, cheaters, not cheaters, lovers, And all of a sudden you're laughing at all of that. And then something strikes a chord with you. Now, all of a sudden it's not funny. I had to check myself Yeah. because we don't know how that other person's life has been and why they're reacting the way they're reacting. And we all are cut from different cloths and we all are going to have a different perception. Does it make it right or wrong? That's not for me to judge. Yeah, it's so true. There was, I don't know if you you saw it or not, but there was a, a meme that really captured that well that I came across. Actually, I think somebody sent it to me or whatever, but it's it's people on the sidelines judging this this man walking down the street and and the picture illustrates that he's he's dragging these he's chained to these boulders and these boulders are you know his bad childhood his job loss his depression his things right his his things and we all have things Mm -hmm. but the people on the outside looking in don't know the things so if we're judging the things you know who are we we don't know what everybody's rocks and chains are and and i think and, and, and we don't. And now, have I always been like this? The answer is no. I'd be sitting here and I'd be telling you a lie. I've learned to be this way because I've just been in contact with so many different people from different religions, different races. You know, I had the chance to go to India. I've been to Malaysia, you know, into Europe. And I got a chance to see different cultures. And that was a big highlight, you know, to me actually opening up and learning a lot more about spirituality, learning about different cultures and respecting 
their cultures and their differences and learning. And the one thing about me, I've always, like I said, been inquisitive. If there was something I didn't understand, instead of me making assumptions, I would ask you so I don't offend you. Yeah. You know, so I think if we all got into that place of where I want to get to know you for who you are, not who you want to present to me because you want me to like you. I want you to show me the best and the worst of you at your worst. And I can still love you in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's unconditional. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I'd have to say the same thing. I wasn't always this way. And, and maybe that's what the gifts of the addiction or the hard times or whatever the things are, you know, that, that there has to be some trailblazers in that way of thinking, right? Like I, you and I didn't come up with this, but other people have gone mm-hmm. through that and had that experience of, I call it coming to the other side. That's what I right. call the difference between old body and new body. Like I got to the other side. I can, yeah. I can see the goodness. I know that feeling mm-hmm. in my gut. I can screw up. I can have grace about screwing up. I can, I can, you know, write off the little things, like whatever it is. It's just not that serious. That's what the other side has given me and the gratitude. Like I said, I want to, I want to piggyback on that, but I want to go back myself because, you know, and you and I have talked about this and during that whole transition, what happened to me in 2015, you know, it did, I didn't come out of that immediately. It took me a little time to come out of that. I wish even though that bike ride was there, I wish I could say that everything still ran smoothly because it didn't, because life was still happening around me. Mm -hmm. So I had some really things that tested me that happened in 2016, right after that, I lost my mother, okay? My boyfriend lost his mother. My daughter ended up having a baby. Six months later after that, I lost my dad. So you're talking about within a six month period in 2016, I had another whirlwind. I even had a miscarriage during that time. And then my brother also got diagnosed with cancer. So you're talking about a whirlwind of things that happened in a short period of time, even after the point that I thought that I was quote unquote over the hill and the threshold. Mm-hmm. So My point in saying this is that even though we're going to go through those moments where we're going to be challenged, we're going to go through those moments, those highs and lows where we feel that we're on top of the world and all of a sudden something happens that's going to rock our boat. But the one thing that I want to say is that if I didn't have that gun incident in 2015, I don't know if I'd even be here today because I don't know if I could have handled what happened to me in 2015 and 16 when my mom passed. Yep. So I'm getting chills saying this because as horrific as that incident was, it was prepping me for the path that was already laid that I had no clue was coming. I, I so 100% get this, exactly what you're saying. I totally get it. So I just, so saying that when people, when they're going through this journey and And I'm saying that also because after all of that, I came into some money. I still wasn't healed. I started gambling, Bobby. I always had, even though I made a lot of money, I was never really good with money. 
And reason being because my family wasn't very good with money, me and my parents. I mean, and there was a time that my mother would have dollar bills in her pocket or in her pocketbook. It wouldn't be folded. It wasn't in a billfold. It wasn't in a wallet. It was crumbled up like paper. It looked like it was just sitting in the wallet, <laughs> in, the, in the purse. So I say that, that there was really not the respect for the money and what it could bring you at that time. And when I got that windfall, it was like for me, which was a windfall, um, I gambled it away. So instead of being in that place where I was healing from one thing, but I took on a new addiction, I'll say, to heal the pain that was still there that I wasn't really addressing. And that's when I really started getting into therapy. I needed the help. I needed someone to help me and I reached out for that help too. And because I don't want people to think that, you know, they don't have to seek outside sources or that, you know, once you claim that you've been healed, that's it. And if you backslide, I'm gonna use that terminology, you backslide that, you know, you've, you've, you've like shattered everything that you thought about yourself. And we can do that to ourselves very easily. Yes. So give yourself grace, but don't give yourself a way out either. Don't be intentional about effing up is what I'm saying. Yes. If it happens for unforeseen circumstances, own up to it, take responsibility, make the changes that you need and get back up on that horse and start going again. Because your life will bring you what you actually ask for and what you're willing to fight for. It's true. So I started fighting differently. I started fighting for me and it took me a minute to get out of that. And I would say that's about 2017, which really wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. You think about the essence of things, was that four years? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. One of the things I talk about, and I'm, I'm very grateful because I'm not a good journaler, right? Like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not get better, but I'm not, I've never been like, I got to write down my feelings, da, 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 just not necessarily my cup of tea. However, with podcasting mm -hmm. and after doing the two shows a day during all my stuff, one of my favorite things about it, well, there's two favorite things. One is I kind of journaled out loud mm -hmm. and I don't go back and listen, but I, I know I will someday. And something I say on the show all the time is, I don't know what I don't know. And I love, here's what I'm learning now and I'm sharing it with you. But hey guys, watch out. Three months from now, six months from now, it may be a totally different story because I'm going to continue to learn. And it's kind of fun. And if you can get in the zone of self-reflection where you can acknowledge what you've learned. Like when you were talking about like being open-minded and stuff, I was thinking about high school. I was the minority in high school. And what, what showed up for me as you were talking was in fifth grade, I was in a different town and there was two people of color and then one boy from Cambodia. And I was friends with all of them, it, but then it like the tables were turned when I, when I, where I went to high school and we used to get, like, we'd walk down to the cafeteria and we'd get our heads hit and the basketball team would like hit us with their hats and stuff as we were trying to walk into the lunchroom. And then 
my parents are of a different generation, right? So before, and I didn't go to college right out of high school. So I had some of that, like, what the hell, you know, not really understanding a bit of prejudice, all that stuff. Fast forward to college as an adult learner, and I'm sitting in a room and it isn't, it isn't just black and white. It's black, white, brown, yellow, you know, like purple, whatever in the classroom. And I'm listening to these kids and I'm calling them kids because they were, you know, 18, 19, 20. I'm like, holy shit, there's so much freaking brilliance and like just amazing life in this room. And I can learn so much. Why am I putting myself in this box? Because, because mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what I grew up to know or like, and that was, that was my shift on my mentality about that. And I'm so grateful that that's changed because if I, if I had such a closed mind at the amount of relationships and people I would have missed out in my life. And then when you talked about the travel, mm-hmm. OMG, travel is just phenomenal. I mean, I'm running a company in the Philippines. Right. And I know it's because when I went to Asia last year, and this is another thing about that whole timing and everything happening for a reason. I literally said before the trip, I need to go on this trip, but I don't know why. I said that out loud to many people. I'm like, there's a reason. And me and and one of the hosts were, were downtown Cambodia. I'm like, I don't know why I'm on this trip. Like, am I in love with the host from his podcast? Like, I really just had no idea why I was on the trip. And then I come home and the world shatters, you know, all this stuff happens. And then I meet these wonderful Filipino people and, you know, like the rest is history. So I think what I'm trying to echo for the audience more so, cause I know that you really relate is, you know, if we have an open mind, like the world's, the world is just such an amazing place and the gifts that we can get. So I'm sure everybody out there listening has had their, their gun, their rocks, their stuff, you know? And, and another thing you said to me earlier, which I found so, I don't know, you said something about um, people not talking about depression. And even Mm -hmm. though, it's starting, you know, like there's definitely the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I mean, things are progressively getting better. Yes. Getting better. We still have so far to go. And, and the the key is that doesn't just impact black, white, whatever, like it impacts everybody. And we have to be better and stronger and let people know that it's okay to talk about stuff like that. So I'm so grateful that you brought that up. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's, um, I mean, I love these type of talks and forums because generally, and I'm a big believer in that too. I find that I, for me journaling, I usually record a lot of my journaling. um, Because I say for me, I can speak better than I can write. That's just me. But, you know, sometimes when we talk, it actually gets us into that deeper part of ourselves that we leave tucked away. And, you know, the the subject lines and the subject matters that we're talking about today, people used to kind of sweep them under the rug. But, you know, just like the comedian who was making all those jokes that I didn't like the one that he said, you can't make a decision on something until you're forced to do so because it's in your face. Once that happens, then you have to make a choice and a decision for yourself. 
your reaction is going to be key. And I will say this, and this is my, this is my phrase, folks. I coined this phrase, okay? Because when I was going through everything that I was going through, and the one thing that I found, I always say that the struggle is always in the straddle. The struggle is always in the straddle. Because once you make the decision, you're on one side or the other. Mm. And the most pain that we all go through is when we're straddling a fence. We're not sure if we should go left or right. So we say stuck and that fence is riding up your ass. And I'm going to say that that's where the most pain is because you're afraid to make a decision. Because when you make that decision and it's the wrong decision, you have no one to blame but you. Mm, that's powerful. That is like freaking mind-blowingly powerful and true. <laughs> no, it is. So this is, I came up with this back in like 2016. And I was like, this is where most people rest. Their problems is in the straddle. Yes. It's easier. Make a decision. It's easier. Even though it's painful, it's easier because if you make a decision and it's a wrong decision, then you're going to feel bad about yourself. And then there's no one else to blame, even though you try to blame everyone else. But internally, you know that, oh my gosh, I made this bad decision. This is nothing but me. You start beating yourself up because of it. So it's better I don't make any decision at all. Except for you're missing out on the whole beautiful world of life. Once you go, you can't go anywhere if you're stuck on the fence. At least if you get on one side or the other, you can go forward. And I'll make this point too, good, bad, or indifferent, you have to live with the consequence. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of it is you always get a choice to change. Yep. We forget that. And, and I think this is just me kind of piggybacking on you now. If you have, this is still a relatively new world to me, the whole faith and spirituality, but if you have faith that whatever you're going through has value or a reason, or it's going to take you to the next thing, whether you like it when you're in it or not, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be all right. Even if you pick what you think is the wrong side of the fence. Mm -hmm. See, that's a whole nother subject, Bobby. <laughs> because I mean, when, when we talk about faith, because if we all really rested in faith the way we say, there would be no reason for worry. Mm -hmm. And even for myself, I can't even say that I have not been in the place of worry. But I know that I have to check myself because if I'm in a place of faith, whatever it's going to be is going to work out anyway. So why do I worry? I think, well... I think that we have so many years of worry and not knowing, and it is a conversation that some of us can have with each other. Not everybody mm -hmm. has these conversations mm -hmm. where we can give ourselves permission to worry or not worry, mm -hmm. you know, or to remind ourselves to be aware 
like, I don't know about you, Denise, I probably shouldn't admit this, especially on camera and public, but like, I talk about the voices in my head, right? Mm -hmm. And I like that I can, I'm, I'm still working on this, but I can hear them talking. Like the last couple of days, I've been freaking, freaking out about money. Like, mm -hmm. and, I'm, and I've had the conversations, exactly what you just said, like, why am I even freaking worried about this? Why am I letting this impact my mood? It's going to work out the way it's supposed to. I've had this unwavering belief for the last two years where I haven't, I haven't budged an ounce that my dreams are going to come true. And now all of a sudden this last week, I'm a psycho bitch from hell because I just think I'm going to fail. Why do I think I'm going to fail all of a sudden? It's but Bobby. If we rest in trusting our own intuition and our own decisions has everything, and I'm pretty sure this is not the worst moment of your life. No. Nope. Has everything else worked out? Yeah. I, I know, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's really interesting to know that, mm -hmm. be able to remind yourself of that. I mean, but it doesn't stop the feelings. Like you no, it doesn't. Feelings happen. Yeah, that's when that straddle comes. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Once you just said, I made the decision, why am I worried? Then it was like, it just dissipated. It's like, why was I worried? Like, <laughs> that really, I spent countless amount of energy worried about something that hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. And it's funny too. Can you, can you see it? on other people better where you're like, why are you even worrying about this? Like when yes. it's not our own emotions, it's like- Oh yes, definitely. I think we all are like that. You know, that look in the mirror is never what we see. We always sit there and say, who's that person in the mirror? You know, who do you see? Oh no, I see a woman who's 10, you know, six foot tall, long legs, skinny, you know? So <laughs> is, it really, is it really the person we're seeing in the mirror? Okay, I'm being funny by that. But you know, we never like to really see the person in the mirror because then we have to address some issues. Yeah. Good, bad, or bad. It doesn't matter, but we address those issues. So, but when we really start to do that and we start to look, then only then can we start to change and improve on the things that we think that we want to improve on. Because sometimes, you know, to be honest, Bobby, sometimes we're not even broken. We just feel that we're broken and we feed into that brokenness and it just feeds perpetual of a dying downward spiral. Yes. You know, so it's important of the language that we use to ourselves and start to really, and when, I, when you were saying earlier, like, how did you come out of it? And I want people to understand that you don't, to be out of something doesn't mean that, oh, oh, that person made a whole bunch of money now. Oh, that person was able to, material things, Bunk all that. None of that really matters. If you got from point A to point B, and that was a change for the better for you, that's making it to the other side on that issue of your life. Celebrate that win. And most of us don't do that enough. So true. Because when I'm coming into this space and I'm working with women and my job and what I feel I was put on this earth to do was really just to get to women's soul, to get them to see the better version of themselves inside that's always been there. They're searching on the exterior, looking for something else when everything has always been within. So if you are the better version of yourself already, 
believe that, embrace that, share that with the world unapologetically and be authentically you and let people love you for the brilliance that you are. You are one powerful speaker, my friends. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's, it, it just, it boggles me. Cause I mean, it's almost like you have a flame that's burning within you and you extinguish it when you feel that it's not burning bright enough. Are you talking to me or are you talking to everybody? I'm talking to everybody. Okay, just being clear. Yeah. You extinguish it like you're, you know, like it's not burning bright enough. But if that flame gives enough light for you to take one step, it's worth it. Because mm -hmm. you could take that step in the dark or you could take it with a little burning flame. It doesn't matter. The light is gonna light the path that you were meant to travel upon to become the best version of you. And at the end of that line, guess what? It's gonna still be you in your shadow. Yes. Trust it, merge with it and know that you are you and you are yourself. You are internally you. There's no, you know, if that was the case, we all be duplicates. I'd be having my twin sitting right next to me right now. Right? Yeah. But I just want to say this, Bobby, you know, Soul Miners is such a passion for me. And I believe that everyone has a diamond within. And I really want to help them mine their souls and excavate to get that gunk that's at, in there out so that they can get that diamond and look at it in its luster. It might be cloudy when they find it. But sure enough, we can polish that thing up where you can see the value that you already had within. If I can help one woman do that or on this call to one person that can hear my voice to let them know that they matter, they are valuable, they got whatever it takes to be the best that they can be, then I've done my job. And I always end a lot of things with this, not ask this question. I, I don't know if I ask it too, because I, I sell life insurance for a living, <laughs> right? That's one of the things that I, you know, I've done for years, for since 1991. And we always have to ask on the application, what's your name, your address, what's your date of birth? So proudly people will tell you what their date of birth is. I'm such and such because it's required on life insurance, right? I'm gonna ask each of you, if I was sitting down with you and you were in front of me right now, but now you're listening to my voice, what is your date of death? Mm. Puzzling question. So if that could have been yesterday, today, tomorrow, five years from now, 10 years from now, because you don't know, doesn't it make sense to push the bullshit aside and live the best moment you have, which is right now, and create the life that you've always wanted to have? Because you don't know when that time is coming. So make that day today to be the day you decide to be great. Love it. Love it.
That is a beautiful way to wrap up. But I have to ask you my question that I ask everyone. Sure. Okay. It's, it's so simple compared to everything that you've just been talking about. <laughs> However, what is, and it doesn't have to be business related, but mm -hmm. I like putting together this list. What is your favorite book? The Four Agreements. Oh, that's on my Audible list. I got to listen to that. I got to go on another road trip, I guess. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Cool. We're going to post that with your interview, both on the YouTube and in the podcast notes. So if people want to find you, Denise, how can they find you? Um, they can go to Facebook and they can actually look at my profile and folks, I'm really just getting everything together as well, but go to my Facebook, Denise Coley, K-O-H-L-I. They're able to find me there. And, you know, I do have a Facebook group, but it is geared toward women. I apologize, men, but you can definitely add me as a friend. I would more than welcome that. And um, I just want to say also that I will be also coming out with my podcast called The Soul Miner's Journey. And that's where I will be taking the time to get to know people on an intimate level where they can share their stories. Because there's always a point where people made that pivotal decision to become great. And I want to find out what they are. I am so excited for your show. So excited. Long time coming. Yes. Oh, that's making me so happy. That's beautiful. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being here, Denise. I, um, I know my audience can learn quite a bit from everything you had to say today. And I really appreciate you being so honest and so passionate and so vulnerable with all of us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Bobby. I am so honored that, you know, you've asked me to be able to speak to your audience and your family and you letting me into your space. And I honor that. Thank you. 